The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. Welcome back to The Writer Files. I am still your host, Kelton Reed, here to take you on yet another tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of renowned writers. In part two of this file, literary scholar, publishing consultant, and co-author of the critically acclaimed book, The Bestseller Code, Jody Archer returned to chat with me about her journey, the coming revolution in publishing, and the insecurities that all writers face. Before earning her PhD from Stanford, Ms. Archer studied English at Cambridge, worked in both journalism and TV, and became an acquisitions editor for Penguin UK Publishing. While at Stanford, Jody taught nonfiction and memoir writing and researched both contemporary fiction and bestsellers. Upon completion of her doctoral work, she was recruited by Apple, where she was the lead in research on books. Her book, The Bestseller Code, is based on her doctoral research with Professor Matthew Jockers, an algorithm that they tested over four years and refined by text mining over 20,000 contemporary novels. The Guardian proclaimed that their book may revolutionize the publishing industry, in part because their algorithm was able to predict bestselling books 80% of the time based on theme, plot, character, and many other big data points. In part two of this file, Jody and I discuss how to use Google Docs to co-write a book, why every writer is organized in their own disorganized way, how to get into your creativity zone, the worst question you can ask a book lover, and why authenticity is critical for your productivity. If you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. And if you missed the first half of this show, you can find it in the archives, on iTunes, on writerfiles.fm, and in the show notes. This episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by Audible. I'll have more on their special offer later in the show, but if you love audiobooks, or you've always wanted to give them a try, you can check out over 180,000 titles right now at audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. Well, let's chat a little bit about your workflow. Are you uh, a Mac or a, a PC user? I'm a Mac user. Um, <laughs> and before, I mean, I, I did work at Apple for 15 months, so I now have <laughs> many Apple products, but even way before then, I, I've used a Mac for a long time and have, I have a little... Um, one of those very, very thin new MacBooks that uh, fits in all my purses that goes everywhere with me, and then a big yeah. um, a big iMac on my desk in my study. Very nice, very nice. So um, do you find that the, the iMac is a, is a better f- kind of format for you for like when you're doing a longer piece? 
Yes, I like the bigger screen or, or to or to have two screens in front of me, actually, and I might yeah. have my notes on one and then a clean uh, document. I like a clean screen, not lots of things open. Yeah. So are you doing um, Microsoft Word or I'm guessing Scrivener, but I, I wouldn't um, presume. Actually, the bestseller code was written um, nearly all in Google Docs because it was collaborative. And so... Um, or I would write a big chunk in Word and post it to Google Docs, and Matt would write on it, uh, what are all these Britishisms? Uh, <laughs> you live in America now, and you've got a green card. You have to, you have to, you know, put a line through them with lots of exclamation points. So, which we say in the book, you shouldn't do. So we, you know, we would, we would have fun uh, with Google Docs, and that made co-writing much easier. But if I'm writing alone. I do have Scrivener and I use it for longer projects, but mm-hmm. um, I tend to with Scrivener get so involved with oh a character page, oh a settings page, and oh a notes page, and you know I get so excited about the software that I don't actually write anything. So um, Word still works for me actually. That's cool. That's cool. Well, given your um, propensity for kind of um, you know I mean just working in all these different um, capacities with writing, publishing, journalism, television, I think you, you've even worked in. Do you, yeah. have, do you have some organizational hacks just for writers that you could share, maybe, maybe a couple tricks that you have just fallen in love with? Uh, you know, this is the one question that I, it would be like if I could invite all your listeners to tell me. I, you know, <laughs> I, it's, I, still, I, I still haven't mastered the organizational hacks. I have a big glass uh, whiteboard in my office that I try and, you know, so I can see visually the different projects I'm working on. And I have, um, you know, lots of files on my computer, different uh, notes on different projects. Uh, And I tend to be a writer that unless I've committed to one project and I'm really into it, I'm always kind of researching, thinking about forming four or five, and then I'll Mm. pick something. Um, And I would say I'm not organized. There's notes on them all in notebooks, there's on different computers. So Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not the best writer to help people with that. I would <laughs> like help. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's. I'm sure that's um, uh, a relief to hear for some writers who don't have your um, uh, credentials. And and you know, I think there's no there's no right way. Obviously, I think every writer is different, and every oh, yeah. every writer oh, is organized no in their cards, own disorganized. Yeah, colored notepads, <laughs> whiteboard, and, and I do all this pretense of organization, and then. In the end, when I'm writing and I, I just write into Word and kind of su- submit. So um, I don't, I really, yeah, I need to go on some kind of workshop about just that issue. <laughs> well, well, this may um, dovetail back into your uh, deadlines, um, uh, love of deadlines, but do you have any other uh, procrastination beaters? Um, yeah, I mean, as you say, when circumstance creates it, like when you're, publisher insists on a on a deadline I think that really helps um since I was a journalist and you have to write very quickly I've been fairly deadline driven but you know right now when I'm thinking of new projects um I think uh, I just have to discipline myself and make myself be in in my um study for a certain amount of hours every day and 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 write uh and I really don't let myself out of the office. So you just kind of look at the screen and when that impulse goes, oh, I'll just, you know, go for a walk, I'll do this. I'm like, no, just sit there. And and the flow starts to come. Yeah, yeah. Well, how does Jody Archer uh, unplug at the end of a, a writing day? 
I would say um, I like to cook. So um, I'll go and cook or, uh, you know, spend the evening with my husband. He's very good at uh, bringing me out of my head and, you know, and back to the real world. And uh, we have a lovely um, view of the Colorado mountains. So I'm not, I'm on a, this ridiculous detox right now with my friends. So usually I drink a glass of red wine after a long writing day. But at the moment, it's sort of a sparkling water, and it doesn't quite have the same effect. <laughs> <laughs> the effervescence isn't really, isn't yeah, really working. Yeah, she's like, is it a bit like <laughs> champagne? I'm like, no, it's not like champagne at all. It's sparkling water. <laughs> Damn it. So I try to look at the view and, you know, but I, I think my friends and, and people I, I care about um, are a good way for me to wind down. Yes, yes. The Rocky Mountains are a fantastic way to unwind. Yes. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. So um, I'd love to pick your brain a little bit about creativity. Um, I know it's intrinsic to kind of everything that, that we talk about, uh, the written word and, and the harnessing the, the power of the, the creative mind. But how would you personally define creativity? Do you have something for us? Um, I think that I, as I experience it, um, it, when I'm actually being creative rather than thinking about being creative or as I kind of think I experience it through the written word of other people and I think, wow, you know, that's, that's just amazing writing. I think that it's something like um, presence in flow, if I can use that kind of language. I, I, you know, I feel very present. My mind doesn't go anywhere else and I just feel very, this feels kind of forward energy and, and that there's not really anything else. Um, and I've heard other people call it like 
sports people call it they go into the zone you know or mm-hmm. on the game when you know that when when you have to uh, you know, hit a ball or something that you, you have to be, you know, really fully present and, and you might almost like a meditative presence. And I think when you achieve that and you just let it flow or let it out, um, open the doors on it, then I think that's when you can be creative in, in any area and not just in writing, but in, you know, I've worked in offices where creative in organize in creativity and organizational structures might look very different than writing a book but you can still see people creating and they always seem to have that quality when they really succeed do you have a creative muse right now or do you do you uh believe that you that in the creative muse (laughs) um i think actually you know i think i do i think i i do in some sense if you're kind of meaning you know the some great something i I'm, i'm definitely a meditator and i get i I get a lot of inspiration after that. Maybe maybe I'm just clearing my mind, but hmm. I do kind of believe in the muses in some poetic sense. Um, but I think right now um, I'm in a kind of receptive phase working on the beginning of a few projects. And when I'm in that um, moment of receptivity, I can find that I'm inspired by everything. You know, I'll talk to my husband and I'll think, oh, yeah, that that, you know, could go into that character or I'll read someone else's work and they'll trigger a memory in me or I'll watch the TV or go for a hike. So in that phase, pretty much everything is inspiring me. Um, and then comes the phase of trying to organize it into something. So yeah. not no one particular figure or, um, or person or idea that inspires me or seems like a muse currently. For sure. So kind of the preparation phase, um, we're just gathering yeah the raw materials and working them over is the next part i think so and you feel a kind of an antenna go up and you just allow yourself to be a little bit more less structured maybe and more kind of just intuitive and observational and things tend to come up from the subconscious yeah it's really cool to hear um especially coming from uh the author of, of, of the <laughs> right. bestseller code. <laughs> yeah, in front of an art. Yeah, it's actually really great to work with, you know, both both ideas around creativity. You know, what, what can something as, you know, as, as black and white as bits and bytes uh, have to say about creativity versus something as kind of nebulous um, and poetic as the idea of the muses. It's nice to hold them one in each hand. Fantastic. I like that. I'm, I'm sensing a novel right there. Maybe. Sort of I don't know if I'll write that one, but I'd, I'd love to read it if someone listening to Listeners, <laughs> yeah. it's all yours. We will be right back after a very short break. Thanks so much for listening to The Writer Files. This episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by Audible. Offering over 180,000 audiobook titles to choose from, Audible seamlessly delivers the worlds of both fiction and nonfiction to your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or computer. For Rainmaker FM listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check them out. Grab your free audiobook right now by visiting audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. I just hopped over there to grab Stephen King's epic novel, 112263, about an English teacher who goes back in time to prevent the assassination of JFK. You can download your pick or any other audiobook free by heading over to audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. The bestseller code is, isn't necessarily about what makes a writer great. It's about what makes a uh, novel hit 
the New York Times bestseller list. Um, right. But what, in your estimation, makes a writer great? I mean, if you could, you know, kind of look away from the bestseller code. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I think, you know, that's such a subjective question. Yeah, um, and for me, the answer, it really depends on what I'm looking for. And I mean, I think with any book, um, you see some reviews of some books and I might have found it great and you and someone gives it a nasty review and you think, you know what, that person just wasn't in the right place for that book. You know, it wasn't a good alignment, you know, um, at that time. And I've read some books that two or three times over the course of my life. Sometimes I've loved them and other times I thought, oh, what did I see in that book? So I think it's partly situational that you have a kind of a, a hit. But um, beyond that, I've always thought that in fiction, uh, at least, um, a good writer is someone who can touch my heart and also touch my mind, but doesn't have a kind of soapbox that they're standing on, or, mm. or I don't feel like they're kind of trying to defend something and use a fictional setting for it. And I think a great writer probably does all of that, but achieves um, uh, the ability to show me their love of language or their way of creating a, a style, whether that's very colloquial and chatty or very kind of erudite and poetic, but just has a relationship with language that I can enjoy as well. Mm. Hmm. Very well put. And uh, yeah, I might, I might, maybe I shouldn't ask you this, but do you have a couple faves on your uh, uh, nightstand right now? A couple favorite oh, authors? Oh, no. I hate this question. <laughs> you don't have to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> we have this, we have this uh, the last, one of the last chapters in the bestseller code where we say, you know, there's nothing worse, never, you know, than being asked what your favorite book is if you're a book person. Um, but I always, you know, and, and then we talk about how lame it is not to answer and that's not acceptable either. So um, I think, you know, favorite writers, I mean, you know, because I've studied literature for so long, I could go back in time to the classics. But in living writers where I've focused, um, while I was in college, I really loved um, Ian McEwan and Ishiguro, Margaret Atwood and some of the current literary writers. But on the bestseller list right now, I just read um, Jojo Moyes' book, Me Before You, mm-hmm. uh, which has, you know, been on the list for forever, it seems, and just come out. As a movie, and I, and I really loved that book. Um, and I'm not sure if it's because uh, I miss, I'm obviously English and I miss England, and she just captured some aspect of the English so perfectly for me. Um, mm-hmm. It just kind of took me home. But I'm enjoying her um, in terms of writers that are currently on the list. I've just started her sequel. And what else is on my notes right now? I actually just visit, visited Glastonbury for the first time when I mm. was on a book tour in England, and I picked up The Mists of Avalon which is this thousand page tome uh, yeah. uh, classic. And I'm sitting reading that about the nights, uh, the nights of the round table. That's another kind of, I love those myths. So that's what <laughs> I'm reading right now. Enjoying them both. That's cool. Myths of Avalon was one of my dad's favorites. So, uh, really? so I was kind of floating around our house. Um, so, uh, I would dovetail into paper ebook because Myths of Avalon is gigantic. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you, but you had a, a paper copy, right? Yes, I, yeah. I bought it in Glastonbury because we, you know, <laughs> we were. It's that's where it's all set, you know, old Avalon. And of course, I am this compulsive book buyer. I own thousands of books, and so we're in Glastonbury, and people are talking to me about Avalon. And so I went into the bookshop and I said, "Oh, I finally have to read the Miss of Avalon." So <laughs> he brought out. I just thought I'll just carry it around England while I'm talking about my book, and it's like a thousand pages. Yeah. So it's it's a heavy thing for your purse, that's for sure. 
but I do, uh, I do still tend to prefer to read uh, in paper. I do own, I think I own four Kindles that have, have kind of been given or bought and two iPads and I read on all of them, but my preference is probably still, you know, paper. That's cool. That's cool. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to fast forward a little bit um, because I know that, that time is precious here, but if you could choose one author from any era for an all expense paid dinner to your favorite spots, favorite restaurant, uh, where, who would you take and where would you take them? Oh, I think I would have to t- take Shakespeare. I was going to say Oscar Wilde, and then I was like, <laughs> no, sh- Shakespeare. Um, and I think I would probably take him now, in the now, to somewhere just near the globe on the South Bank in London, like Oxo Tower or something, so he could, you know, just right next door to the globe, so he could uh, reflect on the change since his day. But I think it would be, I would love to talk to him about character and just his brilliance in all genres and his understanding of the human condition and did Francis Bacon write any of them you know all those things that uh, Shakespeare scholars still fight about awesome awesome another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Well, um, I guess uh, we could wrap with a couple other fun ones. Do you have any writer's fetishes besides uh, your book collection? Um, well, I... Yeah, my book collection is pretty big. I, I do have this thing that everyone teases me for that is all arranged in color order, which is apparently very weird for a writer. You know, they arrange their <laughs> libraries by author or by topic, and mine's all in uh, color, all the white books, all the red books. So I get mercilessly mocked for that. Um, but I think it looks pretty, and I'm sticking with it. And other than that, not really. I mean, I have Every time Apple brings out a lighter, smaller, thinner thing for me to write on, I inevitably buy it. Um, but um, it's really just the book buying that is the the problem for my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, I guess to, to kind of wrap it up here a little bit, um, I will mention the book again, of course, but do you have any advice to, to fellow writers on how to keep going, how to keep the... Uh, the ink flowing, the cursor moving? Um, I think that if you choose a project that's authentic to you, um, it will just come, it will keep going. You know, if you don't write too many hours in the day, you know, listen when you're tired. But my experience is, and I've done some teaching of writing too, and I've tried other projects, and, and I've run out of steam fast if I'm trying something that isn't really authentic to who I am. You know, I'm like, oh, well, 
try and write this sci-fi, you know, not that I've tried that because I don't think I'd be good at sci-fi at all, but uh, that, would, that wouldn't be kind of authentic to me or, or write in a voice that really doesn't come from within you and it seems put on. Uh, um, those projects seem to stop the cursor moving, but if you really feel in your heart that you're saying something that has some authenticity to you and just sit there and keep showing up to the computer, I think it, I think it will come. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. And uh, the author of the bestseller code, uh, Anatomy of the Blockbuster Novel. So many good things about this book. Uh, it's entertaining. It's educational. Um, it's it's truly compelling read. I'll, I'll be to be honest with you. Um, I'm Thank having you. a hard time uh, not wanting to reread and reread and kind of uh, unpack all the all the little pieces in there. So you know, I'm I'm gonna definitely um, recommend that. Listeners, seek it out. It's on Kindle. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's uh, where else can we find um, the bestseller code? It's probably uh, everywhere. iBooks, independent bookstores. You know, Google Books. It's 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 all over. Thankfully. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, uh, it's it's really talks about what makes readers tick. What what makes them keep. Uh, turning the pages and, you know, talk some about narrative addiction, which, which I think we could all uh, learn something from fiction or nonfiction uh, writers, I think, um, could learn s- something from this book. But it also, it's just um, a lot of fun. So thank you so much. Uh, where else can listeners connect with you if they want to out there in the, in the world or online? Um, well, I'm on Goodreads and Twitter. And um, Matt and I have a website. Um, archerjockers.com that has a, a sign up for a newsletter and can stay in touch with us there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Best of luck with all of your future projects. Oh, I guess my, my final question to you is, sure. um, I, I read something uh, that you'd posted on your site that said that readers, or, excuse me, writers uh, were coming to you in droves asking you if, if you could analyze their book to see if it would be yeah. a bestseller. What, how is that going? Are you developing an app or, is, you know, like what, how could you possibly keep up with all of, all of those uh, queries? Um, well, we uh, can't at the moment is the honest and unfortunate answer. Um, it was really, really nice for us to see that, you know, early, um, you know, released copies of the book for review. And then um, when it was published in England a week before here, we got, by the time it was published here, we'd had loads and loads of English writers wanting to um, have access to their data. And they were telling us, you know, that they really felt even though they already had drafts, they'd like to check it out um, against, you know, the graphs that the computer can show, which are very useful. And <laughs> uh, we are being uh, pushed to develop something by uh Right, readers and writers. As of yet, we are still in discussion about what will be the fate of the bestsellerometer. Um, it's not concrete yet. Jody Archer, you're kind of living in your own interesting <laughs> novel, aren't you? Uh, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we thank look forward. To, we look forward to whatever uh, comes next from you. And uh, best of luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. 
And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Bye.